We don't know how long that'll take. We don't know how many days, weeks, months, maybe years. For every single person that has ever lived, every neighbor you've ever had, every friend you sat next, ne next to school, every brother or sister that you had, will one day be judged by the God of the universe, who is fair, who is honest, cannot make a mistake. Nobody will go to hell on accident. It'll be because of their choice. It'll be because of our, our choices. Young people, what you're seeing tonight, or this afternoon, yes, is a dramatization, but it will happen one day. As the line here goes out through the door, I can't even comprehend the line that will go through the universe with people seeing and hearing those cries and those screams. Knowing full and well that a God that cannot make mistakes is going to judge them, either saved or unsaved. There'll be no mistake. Some of you sat and heard an awesome message last night, and you wavered. There'll be no more wavering. There'll be no more confusion. There'll be no, no more putting it off. It'll be, it'll be the time. Young people, you have a God that loves you. And I don't know what else God could have done. I don't know what more God could have done to help you find salvation. Everybody in this room, yes, there are people all over the world that may not hear a plan of salvation. They might not hear a soul want to knock on their door. They might not ever hear a sermon like you heard last night. But you have. You have. And if anybody from this room is sentenced to hell for eternity, it is definitely not God's fault. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you die and go to hell, probably the most surprised person in the world will be God. Because he's hoping you get saved. Father, we ask your blessing upon this hour. God, we place it in your hand. We ask for the attention and mind and hearts of every young person. Lord, this has been a sobering conference as it's been mentioned already. But eternity is very sobering. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll guide us. I pray that you'll meet with us, speak through us, and use us at this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to keep it out, and I want you to open it right now to... Romans chapter 6, if you would please. Romans chapter 6, and I want you to look down through this chapter, and we'll start at verse 15. Romans chapter 6, verse 15, are you there yet? All right. Follow along with me as I read. It says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart 
that form of doctrine that was delivered, which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to, to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye now are, are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants of, to God, ye have, your fault unto, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. Read verse 23 with me, please. Ready? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This passage talks about the saved learning to live the Christian life and the difference between a life saved, a life that is, is uh, alive instead of a life of an unsaved person who is living a life who is already dead. And we come down to verse 23, the wages of our sin, because we deserve it, we, it's something we've earned, we will spend, we will spend our eternity in hell. Here, this chapter of, of salvation, I'd like to look at it, is given to every one of you. We all come from different homes, we come from different states, different cities, we have different parents. Some of your parents make good money. Some of you live on poverty wages. Some of you come from terrific homes. Some of you come from very, very disheveled homes. But there's one thing we all have in common today. We all have the same opportunity to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what country you came from. It doesn't matter who hurt you or who didn't hurt you. Doesn't matter if you went to a Christian school or public school, you have the same opportunity as every single person in this room, whether they're up on the PA booth or whether they're down here in front where they sat, whether they sat on the platform, every one of us have given, been given the same opportunity to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So no one in this room can walk through these, these uh, proverbial walls one day and be cast into outer darkness forever and ever without saying, I didn't have a chance. You can't say that. You cannot say that. But as I read in Scripture, and as I, I believe to be true, that even one of Jesus' own disciples didn't get it. And I wonder, for these last 2,000 plus years, what Judas has felt. I wonder what the thief hanging on the cross that riled Jesus and, and mocked him. I wonder what he was feeling being this far away from the very blood that could have been shed for his sins. You see, one day, young people, death will affect all of us. It's a separation. We have a lot of funerals around here. We even own a funeral home in a, in a uh, memorial park. But because of the size of our church, we have probably a funeral a week almost. 
And I've been at the base of a lot of caskets. Our pastor has done hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of funerals in his lifetime. We've seen death. We've been in hospital rooms where you're watching the heartbeat all of a sudden stop and just the line go flat. We've seen people taken into eternity. And there is a separation there. A separation. A dividing point. A dividing line relationships are terminated at death. My wife and I, we stood as uh, young people in that auditorium just across the street, like many other young people who stood up here on this platform. And many of us have performed the wedding ceremony for a lot of young people, and we've asked them to say those immortal wor words to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, to love and to cherish, till what? Death to us part. That death there, not to make a wedding a morbid thing, but it's a dividing point. It breaks the contract. That covenant that, that this couple made, that my wife and I made 42 years ago, that covenant is broken because there is a separation there. There's no way to be married at that time. Until death do us part. Some point in time, if the Lord tarries, death will part me and you. I may go first, you may go first. We have no idea. As our pastor often says, my casket may be in town today. We don't know that. But at some point in time, you and I, you and I are not going to be get together on this earth. Now, we may say, as we say so often at our funerals, we may say, so long, I'll see you later. Or goodbye. Goodbye. All depends whether or not we're saved. We're saved. Many of you, you've suffered through the death of a friend or a loved one. How many of you, how many of you have had a very close friend die within the last year? Would you stand to your feet? You've had a very close friend die within the last year all over the room. If you got to go to that funeral, it was a very sobering time, wasn't it? Very difficult time. A lot of tears shed. Thank you, you can be seated. How many of you have had a grandma or grandpa pass away within the last year? Would you stand to your feet? Likewise, your relationship was, was good and great with your grandparents. Those were difficult days for a young person. They're difficult times to lose that somebody that gave you everything you wanted. That relationship that separated you and you felt that pain. You felt that, that separation that just absolutely, it's like taking my coat here and ripping the fabric apart. And no matter how you sew it up, that scar is still there. Thank you, you can be seated. How many of you have lost a close relative? Would you stand to your feet within the last year? A lot more of you. That may have been an uncle that you loved. It may have been a nephew. I stood at the coffin of a nephew just a couple of months ago. And it was a very difficult time. I remember my, holding my sister at the coffin, and she was just, just weeping uncontrollably. 
Very, very difficult separation. Thank you. You can be seated. I respectfully ask how many of you, if you don't mind standing, if you've lost a mom or dad this, this year, in the last year, if you've lost a parent. Yeah. God bless your kids. Difficult times. Funerals weren't happy. It wasn't a joyous time. It wasn't a party. It was a very somber time. Thank you. You can be seated. And that pain and that, that hurt that you felt at that ripping of the fabric of life and you, you suffering, literally suffering, sometimes even traumatic with the loss of that friend or loved one. Def, separate, separates the living from the non-living. Almost a stupid statement. But it's separated. It's a gulf there that you can't... It's done. It's, it, it's there. It can't, be, it can't be healed. The story when Jesus came to Martha, or Martha came to him and said, Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whosoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now listen, that's a very interesting statement. He said, Martha, he said, even though you know who I am, you've got to believe in me. Judas knew who Jesus Christ was, but he didn't believe in him. The demons of hell know who Jesus Christ is, they just don't believe in him. Satan is not an atheist. Well, I know God. I believe in God. Well, knowing God isn't going to get you to heaven. It's putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Death will part us. Death will part me and you. It's not a funny thing. It's a sobering thing. You'll, even, even on Thursday night, tomorrow night, after this conference ends, You'll get on your buses and you'll head home, we hope. And uh, you can't stick around, all right? And, uh, but, and it, it'll be sad to us because we spent, we spent two and a half days with you and gotten, gotten to build a relationship with you. But if we got word that one of you on Friday passed into eternity, that would grieve us deeply. Because we know now that we're separated for a long period of time. But there's a, another death, where death will part the saved from the unsaved. And ladies and gentlemen, if you think the pain of that funeral was tough, you wait till this day. You wait till that day, when the great white throne judgment takes place, and all of a sudden the unsaved are cast into outer darkness. And as painful as death is on this earth, the second death, or as I like to call it, the ultimate death, a death where there'll be no returning, it'll be complete, will take place. Take your Bibles, if you'll turn again with me, please, to Revelation chapter 20. I want you to read this. I want you to see it. Revelation chapter 20. 
And I want you to look down in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, I want you to look on with somebody. I want every eyeball in this room to see this. This isn't something that Lapina made up. It's not something that First Baptist Church decided to write. This is something God wrote. In verse 10 it said, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the what? And brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose faith, face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in, that, in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged according, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. Read the next statement with me. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is one of the sermons I, I really don't like to preach, but I believe because God commands us to talk about hell, and hell is so important in the cause of eternity, and, uh, and I'm not trying to talk anybody this morning out of your salvation. I just want you to walk out these doors today knowing that you're saved. There doesn't need to be... This is too important to have the slightest doubt I was preaching with Brother Mill McSpadden years ago at a church in Canada, and we had a lot of young people saved, and the pastor was really upset with us because he said to us, he said, I felt a kindred spirit with those young people. I believe they are already saved. I said, Pastor, I said, maybe so, but I never, ever, I never take anybody's salvation for granted. I would like this group of people here right now, every single person, every adult chaperone, every preacher, every song leader, every piano player, every tour group member, to one day be able to meet again together in heaven. But it's probably likely not to happen. You say, what's so, what's so big about this second death? What's the big deal, Lapina? Why has it been talked about last night, today? Why are you literally harping on this? What's this? Why is it so awful? You've all heard people out saying, hey, I'll tell you what, if I die, that's okay. I'll just drink with my friends and we'll have a good old time. Why is, why is hell, this ultimate death, so awful? I'm going to give you three things. And the third thing is the most awful thing about hell, something you may have never thought of before. The first thing is because it's full of torment. Hell's full of torment. I mean, God decided to put every demon that helped Satan, Lucifer, try to overthrow him. God put them in hell. God talks about the creatures of hell. And uh, in, tor in the torment... And we, we read where, where uh, that the, the hell is a lake burning with fire and brimstone. And I don't know how to even picture that unless you took a big lake, took every drop of water out of it and put molten lava in it. I don't know how else to describe it. 
Take your Bibles, turn one more time with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Very no, another very interesting passage from Jesus. Mark 9, 43. It says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands go, to, go into hell. Into the, what? Fire that shall never be quenched. That ought to be enough right there to make everybody make sure of your salvation. That ought to make you look back at the time you received Jesus Christ and make sure that you understood what you did. But then it says in verse 44, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, I've often found that when something is repeated in the Bible, it's for emphasis, not because Jesus or God needed something, some space to fill. But it says here, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. In verse 45, and if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter, halt into life, than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He says it again. Maybe they were hard of hearing. Look at verse 47. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Read the next verse with me. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. I think Jesus was letting people know that, you know what, where there is death, there's also that, that death is going to be somewhat alive. Yes, in hell, you will be separated for all of eternity. But you will feel, you will see, you will hear, you will <coughs> feel the torment of the punishment of hell forever and ever. The creatures of hell that are there, the people that are there, the demons that are there. It's a place that's void of God. It's the ultimate cesspool of sin. You take it, God away from any part of this world and go to any, any God-forsaken country and you'll find voodoo worship and you'll find uh, pagan practices and you'll find the stealing and the thievery and the, uh, the, uh, just the un, un, just unthinkable acts of brutality. Because there's no God there. You look at our country a couple of years ago and you saw several nights of looting and fires burning and cars burning and buildings burning. You see what law, lawlessness. Can you imagine what hell, totally void of any righteousness, totally void of any laws, of any rules or any guidelines, everything vile in its purest form. Revelation, it talks about the beast and the animals and the creatures that will come up from the earth and, uh, and plague the people. Where do you think they come from? This is just a supposition from me, but I wonder sometimes as you watch a movie on television and you see a creature that's so unbelievably, unthinkably ugly and vile, and you wonder, how can anybody think of that? I think Satan has already thought of that. I think these, fill, these men and women are filled with paganism and devil worship that the devil gives them a glimpse of what the future may hold. The creatures in hell. 
We had a boy, the Torres will vouch for this. We had a boy down in Beach Church, our, our teen Sunday school years ago. Those of you that were in college back in the 80s, we had a youth center down the street. One of the Sunday school workers brought this young boy, a seventh grade boy, a little guy, couldn't weigh more than 80 pounds. And she, they bring him in, he brought him in. And, uh, and I said, buddy, what's the deal? And he just went like this and just a scowl on his face and would look at me. I said, son, look at me. I said, what's going on? Why are you misbehaving? And he turned to me. Man, he just started cussing and swearing and swinging his arms, just totally out of control. And I said, son, you can't act like that. And I went to grab his shoulders, and man, he began to fight me. And I wrapped my arms around him, and I got behind him, and I was just holding him, trying to calm him down. And i got to be honest with you, he was everything that I could do to hold this kid. And he was breaking loose, and I was grabbing him again. He was breaking loose, and I was trying to calm him down. And finally, he kind of turned, swung around. I grabbed my shoulders and I threw him up on a, a, a counter there. And I sat him up there and I, I set him down and I, I held him like this. And we were about this far from each other. And, and he looked at me and he's looked in my eyes and he got like that. And his eyes started moving back and forth. Can you move your eyes back and forth? Try it. All right, most of you are going like this. His eyes didn't do that. They went like this. Try it. Can't do it. If you could do it, somebody next to you needs to move, okay? <laughs> All right? But I, I was, I'm looking right at him. And his eyes began to go like this and just, man, shake. And all of a sudden, his mouth opens and his teeth, he goes, curse you. And I, I went, well, that's not good. I turned around, a secretary that had been sitting there, and the teacher, they were gone. I'm thinking, that's really not good. And I, I held him, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if his tongue was going to come out, wrap around my neck, or if he was going to spit green goop all over me. I didn't know. But I threw him back against the wall, and I stepped back. And I went to the door, opened it, and the security guard had showed up at that time, and I said, get him out of here. Take him down to the bus office. Take him home. Take him to the police station. Take him to another country. I don't care. I don't want to see him back here. I said, Brother Eddie, was he demon-possessed? I didn't ask. I was afraid. He'd say, I am legion, for I... No. I was afraid to. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know of all the creatures in hell. I don't know of all the torments in hell. But if anything's any uglier than that kid, I don't want to go. And the Bible talks about the awfulness and the pain and the torture and the darkness and the falling and all these things. Listen to me, young people. There isn't going to be one shred of enjoyment because it can't. Because God is love. God is joy. And He will not be there. But that's not the most awful thing about hell. Well, number two, hell's final. It's a done deal. I don't know if you've ever been to court, but I've sat in many a courtroom and watched a trial take place. And I remember on several occasions watching the defendant sitting there with, with just arrogance and cockiness about him. 
Now I've watched at the end of that trial him stand up there and the judge asked him to rise and the bailiff would take him the verdict and the judge would call his name and says, you have been charged with these crimes and the jury finds you guilty. I've watched grown men begin to weep and cry because of that finality. That finality. When it comes down to standing here and, and, and God saying, depart from me. And all of a sudden you realize this is for real. All of a sudden you realize that, hey, you know what? You know when you should have gotten saved. But your mind will then tell you, but I, you know what? Maybe God, God's a forgiving God. But when that gavel comes down, it will be final. No hope. No hope. Eternity has a finality to it. It'll go on forever and ever without stopping. And there's nothing you can do about it. But then again, that's not the most awful thing about hell. Yeah, it's full of torment. Yes, it's final. But to me, the most awful thing about hell is this. You'll be forgotten. You will be forgotten. Yes, a lot of torture in hell. A lot of grief in hell. No one, if they even saw a glimpse of it, would ever go. And they tell everybody in the world about heaven. But in hell, if you go there, I'm going to tell you something. The most awful thing about it is you will never be thought of ever again. Revelation 21.4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Well, you read that and you think, well, wait a minute, what's he talking about? What's God talking about? What do you mean? The former things are passed away. I want you to turn one more time, if you would, please, Matthew chapter 7. I'm wrapping it up, but I want you to listen to this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into, thy, into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And the will of his Father is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 22, it says, Many will say to me, this is important, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Wait a minute. How can God say he never knew me? How can God say, Lapina, you never existed? Well, if God can forget all my sins, he definitely can, for, can forget me. If God can choose to forget all the sins that I've ever done, and they're covered under the blood of Jesus Christ, he can forget somebody who wouldn't trust his son. When God says, depart from me, cursed for, our, you, cursed for I never knew you, 
Depart from me. I never knew you. That's God. You're going to scratch your head and say, wait a minute, how can you say that, God? I grew up on earth. I, I went to Christian school. I, I rode a bus to a youth conference. I sat on the eighth row. I sang in a tour group. I, I, I went forward a couple times, and boy, it was moving when I went forward. How can you say you never knew me? Brother Eddie, I sang in the choir. What do you mean God never knew me? My dad was a deacon in church. What do you mean God never knew me? Hey, my dad was the pastor of that church. How can you say God's never going to know me again? That's stupid. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. Brother Eddie, I went to church and believed in God. But I planned to. Plan to believe and trust his son, but I never did. Doesn't that count for something? In Revelation 21, 27, I'll just read it for you. And there shall be, thus shall no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You listen to me and I'm done. If I died today without Jesus Christ in my heart and I stand before God and God says, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. I guarantee you I'll say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I preached a youth conference. I've been to 51 youth conferences. That's got to be worth something. Hey, I served under the great John Wilkerson. Uh, he was my pastor, and I served under Jack Scop, and I served under, under, under Brother Hiles, and uh, that ought to count for something. God will look at me and say, but I never knew you. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way there, Lapina. And I would say to God then, I said, God, well, wait a minute. Look in that book. I have seven brothers and sisters, and they've all trusted Jesus Christ, and they've given me their testimony, and, and uh, their names are there. Mine are right with them, I guarantee. And maybe that angel will go to that book again. He'll look down, he'll see Pete Lapina, Janet Lapina, Clint, De Jeanette, Debbie, David, Pete, Donna. Danny, I don't, I don't see any Eddie. I don't see any Eddie. Well, wait a minute. You've got to check it one more time. Because I, I, I remember as a teenage boy, I was a soul winner, man. I, I, I tore it up. I would win people every Saturday. I went to choir. I went to youth conference. And I went to camp. I was at everything. Every time those doors opened, I walked through. Come on. That's got to count for something, God. I never knew you. And death will part us. I will be taken like you visualized here a few moments ago and cast into outer darkness. And every memory that anybody in this room ever had of me will be wiped away. My mother will have had only seven children in her mind. My brothers and sisters will have only had seven or six siblings and themselves. That's it. My wife would not have remembered me. My son would not remember me. 
And if I may, while I'm burning in hell for a hundred years, suffering everything that we've talked about, I would be thinking, well, maybe, maybe after a thousand years, God, God will change his mind. And my screaming out to God, please hear me, please hear me. He won't because he can't. Because he doesn't even know I exist. It will pass away. You will have never, ever been born. And you will never be thought of again. That may be hard to comprehend, young people. That may be difficult to assimilate in your head. But the simplest thing to do is to realize you don't want any part of the torments. You don't want any part of the finality. And you don't want to be ever forgotten. You want to be remembered by Jesus Christ because you trusted him and in his blood for your salvation. So, are you alive? Are you alive? Are you alive? Or are you dead already? If God came down right now, like Brother Pauly said last night, if the rapture were to take place, would you be remaining here? Would you be sitting in a room with maybe a dozen or so others, wondering where everybody go? And would you think, well, maybe there's still a chance for me. You will always say that until the finality comes and you step through these gates into the pit of hell. I don't glory in it. I don't even like talking about it. But it's in the Bible. And God, you say, well, you're trying to scare me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be honest with you. I don't want anybody to ever even see hell. I don't want you to get a whiff of the sulfur from hell. I don't want you to even feel the fire from hell. I want you to enjoy the blessings of living with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes.